school when you would fill out what your parents did for a living. I would write trimmings not knowing what the heck it was. When they opened up the window in the sweatshop, I used to go play on the roof. <laughs> Not a great place where you could play. I said, God, let the morning come <laughs> quick so I can go to my sewing machine. I think I'm nuts. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Sewing Community, the podcast where local Westchester area residents share their life in fabric and thread. Since December 2019, Arts Westchester has been working with Amanda Browder, a Brooklyn-based fabric artist, to transform our nine-story building in White Plains into a cascading, colorful fabric installation. All the stories in this podcast were collected from individual volunteers who have been involved in the building of this monumental work of public art. I am Asabri Sharma, a senior at Sarah Lawrence College and a community-based student researcher from the Intensive Semester in Yonkers program. This fall, I am interning at Arts Westchester, where I am working with Aaron Page, director of Folk Arts, to produce several new sewing community podcast episodes. I am very excited to serve as your host for these next few weeks. My own association with fabrics begins with my mother's colorful silk, cotton, and chiffon saris, dupattas, and kurtas, some of which have been passed down to her by her mother. These fabrics transcend time, while also signaling a rite of passage for womanhood in our family. I hope to explore these kinds of material memories by talking with a range of remarkable individuals around Westchester, from artists to educators, fashion designers to mothers. Today, I will be speaking with Becky Sussman, who works to engage immigrant communities in Yonkers through Neighbors Link, an organization strengthening our community through the healthy integration of immigrants. In her free time, she collects fabrics from her travels to sew recreationally for her family. She tells us about her passion sewing projects, from Halloween costumes to Hawaiian shirts, her grandma's beautiful sewing box, and how she gets to know a new city through its fabric stores. I hope the conversation jogs your own fabric-based memories, and perhaps also leaves you with some food for thought. Thanks for listening. Thank you for making the time. I really appreciate it. I hope the background for the project was helpful for you. Yes, absolutely. And I enjoyed watching Was It Barbara and hearing her story. Those quilts are incredible. Do you like quilting? No. (laughs) It's very exact and I have trouble with very exact. So I really, oh my gosh, but I have so much um, admiration for that work. It's amazing. It's so meticulous. Yeah. I guess I just wanted to start by asking you where, where and when you started sewing and where you learned it. I think you mentioned the duffel bag that you sent us a picture of. (laughs) So my, if I think about my earliest sewing memories, um, my grandmother had this sewing box and I actually have it in my, I I got it um, when she passed away, but it, it's one of those that opens up and it has all of her sewing notions in it. So I always liked that sewing box, but I don't remember her sewing. I just love that sewing box. And when I was younger, I liked to embroider. So my sister and I used to do some embroidering. And for my mom's birthday, when I was, you know, seven or eight or nine, we would embroider napkins for her. Um, But then in seventh grade, I took a sewing class in school. It was part of a rotation of home home economics. Um, In seventh grade, it was sewing. And my teacher was Mrs. Muir. And she was such a nice woman. And I really liked it. And we started by sewing pillows and the shapes of letters 
And then our final project was this duffel bag. And it was such a big deal because you had to put a zipper in and zippers are really hard to do. <laughs> and I was surprised that I, I lost track of the duffel bag for a long time. But the other day I found it again. So I still have my duffel bag that I made about, I don't know, 37 or 38 years ago. Um, so that was the beginning of sewing. And I always enjoyed it. I'm wondering if it may have been different for you had you not taken the class. Do you think you could have picked it up yourself or? Um, I mean, I think I definitely learned some skills in that class and it just gave me the confidence to then do it on my own. So I used to make, I would make pillows for friends for their birthdays or just creative little projects. It wasn't until years later that I followed a pattern again. And there's a story behind that. When my niece and nephew were born, I always had trouble sewing clothes because clothes, it's just hard to fit them. I try, I made myself one shirt when I was in eighth grade, but it just never fit right. And I just didn't know how to adjust because if you try to adjust one thing, then everything else is, it just doesn't work right. So I gave up on sewing clothes and I, like I said, I would sew pillows for friends. And then when my niece and nephew were born, I made them little, I sewed little dolls and these little animals Part of it, the reason I like to sew also is because I was living in San Diego at the time. And the way that I would walk home every day from work, I would pass by this sewing store. And it's just so visually pleasing and all of the different um, fabrics that were in there. I loved going in to look around. So then I bought patterns to make these little animals for my niece and nephew. And then I made them these pillowcases in the shapes of animals. Um, so that was all fun and, and just little cute projects that I enjoyed making. And then after my husband and I were first married, we, we were living in San Diego and our very good friends were um, got engaged and there was going to be a luau engagement party for them that their family friend was throwing. I was a little stressed about what to wear to a luau party. So I stopped by the fabric store and there was the nicest woman there. And she said, oh, um, what if you make a Hawaiian shirt for your husband and a matching sarong for you? And they had these great, great fabrics. So um, I got an easy Hawaiian shirt pattern for him and then the sarong for me. And I made them and we were so excited. The wedding was actually called off and the party was called off. But we had this great Hawaiian shirt and sarong. <laughs> so... And it was a successful project. It even had buttonholes, um, which I was nervous about, and interfacing. So all of these new, it was a little more complicated than the little animals that I had sewn <laughs> up until that point. I really enjoyed making the shirt for him, and he enjoyed wearing it. And then I just started making him shirts. So when we traveled... Um, we're not big on little, you know, tchotchkes or little things that you buy when you travel. Like some people collect spoons or some people call yeah, thimbles or yeah, like little souvenirs. So we thought it would be fun to buy fabric when we traveled. So we traveled up to San Francisco and we were in the Haight-Ashbury part of San Francisco and there was a fabric store and they had fabric with Elvis print. And my husband and I had um long story, but we had two weddings and, and our official wedding was unexpectedly in Las Vegas in the Graceland Chapel. So we found this Elvis um, material. So I made an Elvis shirt for him uh, with uh -huh. this Elvis material. And I kept using that same pattern. Before our son was born, I surprised him with a shirt with hearts on it. 
always with the same pattern. <laughs> so it just became, um, we just started buying fabric whenever we traveled. I stopped making shirts for a while when our kids were little because it was time consuming. A few times I made matching shirts for my husband and our son and our daughter. My daughter and son never took to the shirts quite like my husband. <laughs> And then when we traveled to Africa, I bought fabric and made a few shirts. And then we were in France and I bought fabric to make him shirts. And then when we were in Cambodia, we um, had this wonderful guide and he took us to a place to buy fabric. He actually was having a shirt made for himself. And then we bought fabric for my husband's shirt and it's this golden oh, fabric oh. that actually looks like a um, tablecloth. It reminds me of a table, my tablecloth in Thai restaurants. I think I saw the video, like, and I think I know which shirt yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. That gold one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think so, yeah. So we just have so much fun picking out fabrics and it's a nice way to no, rarely are fabric stores in the touristy part of a city. So it also allows us to just see other parts of a city when we travel and to have conversations with the people and try to measure them and try to, you know, trying to ask, is this cotton, which inevitably I buy fabric. I don't know how to feel if it's cotton or not. So um, we were in Morocco in December and I brought fabric and I asked if it was cotton and they said, yes, but it's clearly not because it's so stretchy. <laughs> that was kind of hard to use. And when I was in Israel two summers ago, I love the hamsa, the, the hand. Mm -hmm. So I found fabric and it had hamsas on it and I loved it, but it was upholstery fabric. It was really meant for furniture. <laughs> But my husband is such a good sport and I, I made him a shirt out of it. <laughs> wow. It's a little rough. It's not, it's not so comfortable. So now it's fun because it brings back memories of our trips and I enjoy making the shirts. So he has maybe 30 at, at this point. And then throughout the years, I've also sewed, um, I, I was reflecting as I was thinking about the conversation we were going to have today about other projects that I'd done and for two years, when my kids were little, I made their Halloween costumes. So when my daughter, I think she was in third grade and she wanted to be a banana. So, um, so we went to the fabric store and we just bought tons of yards. And I, I said to my son, my son didn't really have a, an opinion of what he wanted to be. So I just bought lots of yards of yellow, yellow felt. And I said, you know, you can be anything that I can make out of yellow felt. So, so he was a tennis ball. So, so I sewed them a banana and tennis ball costume. You know, I always have to jerry rig them a little bit. So for her, for her banana, in order for it to stand up, for the the point to stand up, there's, I think there's a paper towel holder in there and a and a, a chopstick. <laughs> so. And awesome. tie together in and out of the banana and have the, the armholes. Um, so that was fun. And then the next year, she wanted to be a crab. Uh, so we bought red felt. Mm -hmm. And that year again, I said to my son, you can be anything you want out of red felt. Yeah. She was a crab and he was a stop sign. As, as you're talking, I'm just thinking. Um, so your sewing practice comes from like this love for the people around you and your your want and your desire to you know make them things and for them to you know wear it and as you said like with your husband 
uh, sometimes the fabric isn't like functional to wear. Yeah. So it becomes it becomes almost like a piece. So it's almost yeah. like art. So do you, I mean, how do you see yourself? Like, do you see yourself as an artist, or do you just do you see yourself as a mom and like a loving, doting mom and a wife? And like, yeah, I would where, say where do you stand there, like. Um, I definitely wouldn't say artist because <laughs> there are always some issues. I feel like art is just a little more precise. There's always a little problem with what I've made. Something doesn't fit quite like it should, or one side is bigger than the other, but it definitely comes from love. So it's all of this. Um, and, and I think homemade items are always so much more special than items that are, that are purchased. So one other thing, when you, when you spoke about doing it as a mom, when my kids went away to camp, my son started going to sleepaway camp. And the first few summers, we bought a little special pillow to put in his um, duffel bag. So when he opened it, he got a special pillow. And then I thought, wait, why am I buying him a pillow? I should just make it. So every year, I would make a different shaped pillow and he would open it when he got to camp. And the last one I made for him was when he went to college and he went to the University of Michigan. So I made one in the shape of an M, but he brought it home and it's on his bed at home. So I guess <laughs> I think he's outgrown. <laughs> I think he's outgrown his pillows. <laughs> and my daughter... Um, I made her a few pillows, but she has bad allergies, so she doesn't do well with stuffing. I was brainstorming what I could make, and I made her pillowcases. So every year, she would have a different pillowcase with special fabric. So she just went to college, and I just made her um, pillowcases that she opened when she moved into her dorm, and they were a little surprised. And oh, and masks. So I was also um, I been make I made masks for the family. Nice. That's awesome. I, I guess I want to know more about like you, like upcycling items. Oh, okay. So now I can talk about it. Right. Cause I haven't really talked about that part of it. So about five years ago, we went to a friend's house and she had a huge loom. She, she called it, it was a rag rug and she was weaving using old sheets that she ripped into strips. She was weaving a rug and I just thought that was so that was so cool. And given also our daughter's allergies, that would be a perfect kind of rug because it's made out of sheets. You can just throw it in the washing machine. So this woman's husband was so nice and he made me um, the, the frame, the loom frame that I could use. And we used my daughter's old sheets in combination with, um, we went to secondhand stores and bought some additional sheets and colors that she liked. Uh, it didn't seem right to buy new sheets and rip them up to make them into a, a rag rag. It seemed to defeat the purpose, mm -hmm. but I made one for her room and then uh, I really loved it. So I thought in our entry hall, it would be fun to have one all different colors. Again, I went to a secondhand shop and a combination of um, mostly the, the sheets that I bought there, some of our old sheets that were ripped. My husband was so nice and he was in charge of making me the strips. And then I, I wove the, the rug. And when we were in Morocco this past December, so many items there are repurposed and recycled. So that got me thinking a lot about um, a sewing project. About 10 years ago or 15 years ago, we were in Soho. We happened upon the gallery and went inside. And there was this amazing rug made of jeans. 
And I, I don't know if I remember it correctly because I can't figure out how it would be comfortable to walk on a jeans. But the way I remember it is it was just a bunch of pairs of jeans sewn together. Somehow it, it made sense as a rug. And I love that idea. So for years, I've been saving my husband's jeans. And I have about five pairs of his old jeans. And um, I wanted to make a rug, but I... I couldn't figure out my sewing machine isn't strong enough to throw to sew through several layers of several pairs of jeans and then I couldn't figure out what to do about the zipper and the button because it would be so uncomfortable to walk on a zipper or walk on a button um so during covid we bought dining room chairs on craigslist about um 5 years ago and they they're white fabric and they were just getting so dirty so they had to be reupholstered and I thought oh why don't I use the jeans and reupholster the seats of the chairs in his old jeans. I um, undid the seams and then figured out how to make them fit on the chairs. And we now have jeans chairs. <laughs> so that was a fun, but definitely it was inspired by Morocco and just thinking about how things can be reused. Um, when we were in Morocco, we saw donkey saddles that were made of repurposed rugs. They were so beautiful, and I wished I bought one to bring home. My husband and kids thought I was insane, but to make it into a coffee table or, or something, um, but we missed our chance to buy that, but it got me thinking a lot about repurposing and reusing, and instead of buying fabric to cover the chairs, it made sense to use something that we already had. I was wondering, um, actually, you sp you said something really interesting about how um, finding trying to find fabrics in new cities where you go actually helps you get to know the city more than you yeah. would as a tourist. And I'm wondering what actually prompted your you and your husband to go looking for fabrics instead of you know another souvenir. Was was it with the knowledge that you would actually get to know a city more? And if you could like you know speak to maybe some experiences where you got to know a city more while you were traveling just because you went looking for fabric there. Yeah, sure. So when we travel, we don't like to do the really touristy things. Mm. My kids laugh that when we travel, we stay sometimes in very basic accommodations or we like to find um, in, in mm. Cambodia, we stayed with in this guide's home. It was just a fascinating area um, just outside of Siem Reap. And it was something that we would have never done, experience that we would have never had if we had stayed in a, a more traditional hotel. Um, and so then whenever we meet a local, I like to ask, where are the fabric stores? And then, you know, we just get to see this really cool part of the country or the city that we're visiting. Although if you ask my kids, they'll say that mom tortures them with textiles and they'll say no more textiles, no more fabric stores. <laughs> but in Vietnam, when we were um, in Hanoi, we asked where there were fabric stores and we walked through these neighborhoods to find the fabric shops and and it's just really cool. And even if the fabric, I always ask, is it made in the country where, where we are? And I don't know if it's always truly made there, but we always have the memory of buying it. We know that the zebra material, for example, was from Hanoi. Sometimes the salespeople are, um, they haven't had that many tourists buying things from them. So, yeah. um, so it's a fun experience all around.
No, I'm really actually, this is a very peculiar interest yeah. to have, you know, and a very particular activity. Like, you know that this is something you're going to do. It's a tradition for you and yeah. your family. Like, traditions are important. Yeah, then there's the buttons because the shirts require buttons. Buttons are another or something else that's fun to look for, but that's a more recent interest. So when I was in France, I went to a flea market, this famous flea market in the northern part of the city, and I bought a a, a whole page of antique buttons. Well, I mean, they were old. I wouldn't say antique. I'd say old. <laughs> so I used those for the shirt. And then when we were in Cambodia, our, or I'm sorry, not Cambodia, when we were in Morocco in December, our guide was... Um, he was intrigued also by this interest. And I think it's kind of, you know, it's kind of unusual. So the notion store he wanted to take us to was closed, but we went to a little, um, we found another notion place and I got to buy a lot of different buttons and it's fun to use those buttons in the shirts that I'm making. Wow. That's awesome. That actually brings me to my next question. Do, do you, have you found other people who like to sew like you do like do you feel like some sort of community or is this just something you're happy to do by yourself and your community is the people around you for whom you make these things yeah. oh that's a good yeah that's interesting um I would say because my sewing interests tend to be a little peculiar, I don't know that there's a community of people who travel and look for um, <laughs> for fabric and torture their family with looking for textiles and buttons. Um, but definitely, I think my family, um, it, it's just the memories that we have around this are really fun. And it's um, it's just a fun way to remember the trips. And my husband wears... It's the only types of shirts my husband wears from um, spring through the summer and fall. He wears one of the shirts every day. So it's just fun because every day it brings back memories of some trip or, you know, a moment in the trip. So that's really fun. Um, but um, I because I'm not interested in expanding my sewing skills, I'm happy with what I can do. <laughs> I would actually consider consider you to be an artist, even though you're not a formal artist. You are you are in fact an artist, and in fact, I find that often artists take themselves very seriously. Yeah. I think it's great that this is something you just do as a passion project for the love of simply doing it and for the love of people around you, and it's really yeah. wonderful. So I also um, like to knit, but I would say knitting is more about community. Because yeah. it's also hard with a sewing machine. Knitting is, much, knitting is much more portable. So you can sit around and have a knitting circle and sit with group, a group of friends and knit, but it's hard to bring sewing machines around. Then I'm wondering, there's, a, there's like a disconnect when there's a machine involved and not like your own hands, which can involve multiple people. That's yeah. And th there's something really interesting about how um, you mentioned that your first sewing class started with like, a, I think... A program in your school which was for home economies yeah that's really interesting because I took a class called feminist economics here at Sarah Lawrence and it's about it's about caring and home labor and and you know this the, we and that you learned and that your love for sewing came from the sewing box that your grandmother used to own it's literally a feminist story you know like it's intergenerational you can 
you picked it up from from your from your grandmother and this is something that you've come to do but not really see as labor you know yeah i'm trying to think if there's anything else i mean i can i can show you like the sewing box or the do you want to see yeah for sure <laughs> oh wow that's lovely so this is the sewing box and um it's like this is like an equivalent of a dollhouse, right? Like with yeah. <laughs> so excited. Oh my god. Yeah, it opens like that. <gasps> and a lot of the things in here were hers. Add her snaps. I can see why anyone would be fascinated by this. This is these are eyes and they were 43 cents for eyes and hooks. <laughs> wow. Just fun to look through. I don't even know what some of the things in here are, but there was a bag of buttons. Uh-huh. And when my kids were little, one activity that we would do when we were, you know, we'd be around home playing, they would say, oh, can we play with, with the buttons? Take a tray and we would put the buttons on the tray and they love to play with them and the noise they make and lifting them and, you know, <laughs> dropping them and sorting them. So pleasing. Yeah. These are the buttons. That's this is a page of buttons from Paris from the flea market. And then a whole lot of more buttons. But a lot of these things you can just see how old a oh, rounded tip animal shaped scissors. But anyway, um, so this is a really special pinking shears from my grand all from leftover from my grandmother. And on the inside, my mom's name is Vivian, and on the inside she scribbled in pencil, and it says Viv, her name. <laughs> so that's, that's so lovely. Thank you for sharing yeah. that with me. <laughs> it's like show and tell. So I think this is the first pillow I ever made for him when he went to camp. He's a Yankee fan. And then I got a little more creative. He plays the bass. Uh -huh. So I made him a bass-shaped pillow. That would also make a great, like, hugging pillow, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And his name is Sam, so I made him an S one year. And then he had these old um, T-shirts, Yankee shirts. Here's his Jeter shirt, and it was sad, like, to give it away because he loved his Jeter shirt. So we stuffed it and made it, and I sewed it up and made it into a little pillow for him. Wow. And the That's same awesome. with, he was born in San Diego, and he had this little Padre shirt. So. <laughs> it up and made it into a little pillow for him. They're amazing. And then this is the M that I made for him for Michigan. And this is the one he brought back home. <laughs> Did you feel bad when he brought it back home? He's, I guess he's 21. It's okay. 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 That's good. <laughs> yeah. I understand. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sewing Community. As of next week, Aaron Beige, Director of Folk Arts at Arts Westchester, who's been mentoring me through this process, will be coming back on board to talk with mother-daughter duo Elaine Fitzpatrick and Karen Dabern. Tune in for an interesting conversation about their love for fashion, their family's sewing history, the old fabric stores of Rockland and Westchester counties, and mask making during the pandemic. It has been such a pleasure being your host for these last three weeks. I've learned a lot in speaking with and commemorating the craft and fabric of these wonderful artists and individuals. I hope to connect with and jog your fabric-based memories again in the future. Thank you for listening.